We long for you, Lord. We long for you, Lord, in a dry and thirsty land. Oh, come, Lord, and have your way, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just submit ourselves to you this morning, Lord, and say, have your way in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Speak through Pastor Paul this morning. Let the word of the Lord be in his mouth, Lord, and give us ears to hear it and hearts to receive it, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Aren't you glad to see the sunshine? Praise the Lord for rain, but I'm thankful for sunshine. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we have a we have a testimony. I've been preaching about joy, and we're going to get off on the right foot right here. And would y'all please welcome Brother Greg Key? Where is he run off to? Oh, there we go. Bless you. Those of you that know me over the past year, you know I've had a lot of trouble with my heart, but the Lord's blessed me, and that's taken care of. Ten years ago, I hurt my back at work. I ruptured a disc between my shoulder blades, and they told me it was non-surgical, which means they couldn't get to it to fix it. They sent me to a pain management doctor in Nashville, and he put me on medication. Well, over the past six months, my back had really gotten worse, and I was on the strongest hydrocodone they had, and I was taking four pills a day which is a lot of hydrocodone. A couple months ago, I come forward on a Sunday morning service and had Tommy and Michelle Fisher pray for me. And I'd like to say I've not had a pain pill since that day. I, I test my back every night with my girls. They have bunk beds. They take turns sleeping on the top bunk. And every night I pick up one, hand press them, and throw them into their bed. So the Lord has really blessed me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. One thing Greg said at first service that he didn't say at second service. No, let me phrase you wrong. But he said he came up for prayer and he said, today is the day. He came up and he stood up and he stood up with Tommy and Michelle and he said, I'm here for healing and today is the day. And, you know, we get nervous. We get up here and think we've said it all and I do it every every week because I do two services and I can't remember what I said and what I didn't. But that's what impacted me was your stance when you stood up and said, this is it. I've been prayed for a bunch. But today is the day. Amen. Bless you. Thank you all for staying for second service to do that. That's enough to get some joy right there, church. And I want you to know, I felt like the difference was was uh, in him, him coming in the past and him coming this last a few months ago was his approach. Today's it. I'm looking for God to heal me today rather than just responding to an altar call. And OK, he asked me to come up. But you know what? He came up to a God that could heal, that desired to heal, and he believed. Do you hear me? We read in Scripture that Jesus says, Go, your faith has healed you. That has nothing to do with who you are. It's who your faith is in. It's in Jesus Christ who is the healer. And he basically stood up and said, I believe, and I'm going to get healed today. Are you here? Do you need to get healed? I bet there's probably 10 people in this group right here that need healing just in their back. I want you to know today's the day. But will you stand up and believe? Believe that God really can heal you. You know what? Sit back there in your back pain. I don't want to get ugly with you. 
But somebody get excited for God. You know what? God's excited about you. We can spin the wheels and do the church thing all day long. But when the rubber meets the road, we still go home hurting. And it's time to say today's it. I'm tired of playing the game. It's time for the healing to happen. A lot of healing needs to go on today. It's Mother's Day. We need some healing to happen in the homes. If you want to be blessed, one way to be blessed is by honoring your mother today. Pastor, you don't know what you're saying. Now, you don't know what you're doing to your life. God says, honor your mother. You'll be blessed. It's up to you. God says, I've done it all for you. Now, would you please cash in today? It sounds kind of sacrilegious. It's not. The price has been paid, yet we leave it sitting on the shelf. I was expecting y'all to be a lot more awake this morning. I can understand first service snoozing on me, but not y'all. Amen. I read a, uh, an article a few weeks ago. This is a, probably a couple-year-old article. The Edelman Financial Services of Fairfax, Virginia, completed a national study on what is the worth of a mother based on an average U.S. salary. And they compiled a, a list of typical functions that a mother does, such as cooking or financial manager or psychologist or bus driver. Who knows mamas need to be a psychologist? The mamas know. Dad's like, huh? Or bus driver. 17 different occupations did they choose that the mother has. And the study reports that since mothers wear many hats, and since a mother is on duty 24-7, right? It never ends. The typical mother deserves a full-time salary for 17 key occupational positions. Based on the conclusions on this, on average U.S. salaries, American mothers should be paid $508,700 a year. I got the same response. Amen. I got the same response first service. All the women went, amen. And the, the husbands were, yeah, I'd better clap. They're looking at me. And even the editor of Working Mother magazine said that this half million was a little low, stating that mothers, a lot, a lot of the jobs that were listed in this 17, mothers do a lot more than just those 17. It's whatever it takes. Mothers are underappreciated, underpaid and overworked. It's no wonder they daily fight fatigue and depression. And just like the status of our economy, where everybody's wanting to be down in the dumps, the wear and tear of daily responsibility that a mother has kills their joy. Amen. Amen. You need joy. Say joy. Where is your joy? Where is your joy? You know, Jesus, the Father, has sent the Son. You know, we were singing this, uh, this song, That's My Lord. And I was sitting there wanting to tell Pete, Pete, this is kind of like a uh, kind of like a dad would do about a son after he's hit a home run. That's my boy, or like a, or like a, uh, uh, yeah, like a a, a a family would do a daughter when they've graduated in college. That's my girl. But I can see God the Father looking down on His Son Jesus at what He provided, and Him saying, "That's my son." And then He looks down on us, 
And when we're trying to pursue him, and even though we fall down and do some silly things sometimes, he goes, that's my boy. That's my girl. And we turn around and we sing about everything that Jesus has done, everything the Father has done. That's my Lord. That's my Lord. That's where my joy is. We get turned to self. We need to get turned outside of self. Turn that around and and face outward instead of inward. Where is your joy? We have lost our focus in life. That's my Lord. My Lord healed Greg Key's back. Something that could not be fixed that had to be handled with pain management. My God healed him. If my God can heal him, that same God can heal me. He didn't give me healing scriptures so we could just read them and repeat them, but never experience them. God is to be experienced. If your joy is gone, I want to tell you, you have lost your experience with God. Why? Because we learned last week from Psalm 43, he is El Simkoth Gali. He is my exceeding joy. He is the God of exceeding joy. Scripture says, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Would that compute that if we've lost our joy, we are outside the presence of God? It is the character of God. It is the name of God. If we are not living in joy, I believe we're living outside the presence of the Lord. How can we be in the presence of the Lord and not have his joy? Are you with me? Today is, again, all about you. What decisions are you making? It's going to be good. Don't miss it. You need joy. It's not just some saying that we want to say that we're supposed to have. There is a fundamental emotional need for joy in your life. Without joy, life is overwhelming. It's overburdened. It's oppressive. Studies have shown that the more joy you have in your life, the more productive you are. It's true that you have more energy, more creativity, more productivity, the more joy you have in your life. Last week, we started looking at the six foundations for joy. You know, as basic as they are, I believe that if we would just take a basic approach to God, God will move supernaturally in your life we've got to start somewhere this morning in first service people stood up and said i want to i want what god's got for me and i want you to know those that come with that heart god's going to move in their life he has to it is what his word says and he has to fulfill his work he's not a liar never Never is he a liar. So does he have to do what his word says? Yes. I don't want to say God's contained, but he's contained to what he has said because he can't do anything outside of what he has said. He has to fulfill what he has said. I'm not saying he's not contained. He's just faithful. You hear the difference? We want to try to think, oh, you're just putting God in a box. No, I'm not. God has no box. He is faithful and what he says will happen. All right, six foundations for joy. Number one, 
Remove all regrets about your past, about my past. Let me tell you, I've got a past. I was at uh, the Mustard Seed Ranch um, uh, banquet and um, sat there and ran into one of my former baseball uh, players that I played with. Hadn't seen him probably in 10 years. And he said, Paul, I was talking to somebody, and they said, Paul Ramsey's the pastor. He said, I about fell out. said, you and everybody else. Because you know me. We've got pasts. Let me tell you, if I live in my past, I'm just going to live as a depressed person the rest of my life. My past is what's got me here. My past has prepared me for what I have today. My past is in the past. Leave it in the past. Regretting doesn't help you at all. It just hurts you. What good does regret do? None. Nothing. God's moved on from it. Why don't you? If you're saved, if you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and you've confessed your sins to him, let me tell you, those sins are gone. And he's saying, I've paid for them. Why are you still hanging on to them? Why do you keep paying on a debt that I've paid for? Hallelujah. Number two, omit my worries about my future. If we will focus on today, our future is taken care of. You can't do anything about your future except the decision you can make right this second. The decision that you need to make in 12 hours has to wait until 12 hours. What we focus on are the decisions that we make right here. You have some decisions to make right here in this church today. Am I going to choose God's way or not? Am I going to put, the, put whatever pastor said that's offended me in the past behind me so that I can receive what I have today? It's not about a man. God's trying to speak to you today. Can you put these things aside so you can receive? Well, they did the wrong song or they sang Amazing Grace and they put in some weird chorus in that. And I'm not going to listen to anything the pastor has to say. Who does that hurt? You. That chorus, by the way, is awesome. I love it. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has rescued me. But we've got decisions to make now. And if we make the decision right now, it says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. That means your step that you're going to take out of here, which is in the future, if you will get righteous now and try to make the right decisions according to God's word and be obedient to him now, your next step is going to be a successful step. Are you with me? God's in control of the future, not you. Right? Can you change the future? No, you can change this moment. And by changing this moment, it then changes the next step. Are you with me? I kind of feel you. Kind of. Number three. Submit myself to God's purpose. Can you feel a direction that we're going in? For joy, it is a pathway into his presence. 
into his protection. All that I've preached on the last two months has been about love and getting under that shepherd's protection. This right here, letting go of the past, not worrying about the future, focusing on the right now is going to lead you under that covering. What is God's purpose? Submit or yield myself. The third killjoy that we've been going through here is having no real purpose. If you're just drifting and you don't know where you came from and you don't know where you're going and why you're here, of course you're not going to have any joy in your life. You're just going to cruise on autopilot through life, substituting happiness for joy, short-term pleasure for joy. Now, don't get me wrong. Sin is pleasurable for a season. It is literally pleasurable. It feels good for a season. And then that, that thing turns on you. But true joy doesn't turn, doesn't go bad. It, it, it's coming from a true source that cannot produce anything but good. This kind of joy, this kind of joy. We all need a cause greater than ourselves to live for. That's what brings us joy. Living for yourself does not bring you joy. When Paul's writing this letter, he has lost everything. He's in prison, in poor health. He's lonely. He's in a dungeon in Rome, chained to a Roman Praetorian guard 24 hours a day. Everything's been taken away from this guy. He has no friends, no ministry, no freedom. He doesn't even have any privacy because he's changed to, chained to this Roman soldier. But there's one thing that they could not take away from him. And that was his purpose. So Paul says in Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does that mean? That means I live for the Lord. And his joy can't be taken away from him even when he's being beat. Even when everything's been stripped away. Look at what he's written in the midst of the worst time of his life. And we see joy. Because he says, living, I live for Christ. I live for the Lord. I live for Christ. In 2 Timothy, in, in another book that he wrote at the same time, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, my only purpose in life is to please him. What a statement. What a statement. This is something that I would encourage you to have posted on your uh, bathroom mirror when you're getting ready in your car. Remember, I even made a joke a few weeks, a few months ago about shaving it in your dog's hair. You remember? I used another term. I told I gave a different position to shave it. But can you imagine everywhere you look, if, you, if your decisions were based on pleasing God, you think, Pastor, that's just going to be a, uh, mundane life, a dull life. No, it's not. It says that our, we are going to be blessed when we start pursuing him. It says that our future is intact when we start pursuing him. Even the mistakes that we make are going to be for our good when we are pursuing him. It says all things work for good for those that love him 
and are called to his holy purpose. It's not enough just loving. We need to get into the purpose and plan of God. That's my prayer for you today, that we get into the purpose and plan of God. If we would look at every decision through these eyes, I believe that we would be trying to be righteous. And God says, if you will practice righteousness, then you are righteous as I am righteous. It doesn't say you have to be perfect. It just says you have to be trying. God knows we're not perfect. But in the trying, in the falling down, that still works for our good. There is total freedom to know that if we are pursuing God, we can mess up and that still work for our good. You know, many of us don't try things because we fear messing up. But if we knew that our messing up would work for our good, maybe we'd try. You know, I once got in trouble with my dad because, well, let me just give you, let me just tell you what I did. I uh, was driving a pickup truck and had a uh, push mower in the back of the car and I hadn't done my job. I just was spoiled and just thought I'm not doing it today, I, you know. Well, I'll, I'll take the consequences. I, I can. I will usually give up the consequences just to go do what I want to do. I mean, we're, we get stubborn sometimes. Now, in the midst of me messing up, that wasn't it. I took the, the lawnmower out of the back of the truck and forgot it was there and ran over it. I mean, the, the, the truck left the ground. I mean, it was like, oh, my gosh, what in the world? It wasn't. A, it was a push mower, but, I mean, I flattened it. And, I mean, it was boom, boom. I'm like. Oh, my gosh, what in the world was that? And my dad found me later that day, and I was probably, I don't know how old I was. I wasn't too old to be whipped. I can tell you that. I probably thought I was. But he told me, he said, I'm not disciplining you because you're running over the tractor. I don't mind you if you're trying. But what I mind is you choosing not to do it. It wasn't the mistake you made. I can buy a new lawnmower. We can get a new lawnmower. You're going to do stuff like that. When you're out here trying, you're going to mess up. And I'm not mad at you for that. Forget that. You don't have to pay it. Don't worry about it. But what you did was you chose. Your, your choice is what's getting your discipline. Do you hear me? God knows the heart. And when we are pursuing him with our heart and we fall down, he says, that's my boy. Get on up. We're okay. This what you think is a disaster? I got that. And it's going to work out for your good. But when we choose the wrong direction, we come outside of that covering. And let me tell you, we're on our own. I don't want on my own. My only purpose in life is to please him. Can you imagine being in prison and writing that? No hope of getting out, thinking I'm going to be executed. My only purpose is to please it. If you want to have a joy-filled life, if you want to get out of the dumps and into the joy zone, you need to line up with God's purpose for your life. You need to make that statement of saying, God, I give myself to you, and I want your purpose and plan for my life. When you begin to live 
when you begin to live the purpose for which you were made, all of a sudden life makes sense and joy goes up. Romans 6.13 says, give yourself completely to God, every part of you, to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purpose. Now, I said this to first service. I'm going to say this to you, too. I, I used to sit in the pews with you. I used to sit in First Baptist Church for 25 years. That's where my home church was. I've only been a, a member of two churches, First Baptist Cookville and this church. And I've sat in the pews and I've heard pastor's sermons. I've heard him tell me to read my Bible. I've heard him tell me to t give my life to him. And you know what my response was? Man, he's a preacher. That's, that's his calling. And I can understand why you would think that. And I, I can hear or I can feel us getting to a point of, man, he's preaching the same thing every week. I'm not. It just may sound like that to you. But how do we cross over to where you can realize he's not doing this for his benefit? The benefit that you are the beneficiary of serving God. Not me. Again, I told you in tithing this morning, the church is the byproduct. The blessing that the church gets is the byproduct of the blessing that you get. You are the church. If the church doesn't bless you, the church corporate doesn't get blessed. So I'm not in this, I'm not in this for, for the, what am I in this for? I'm in this because God has called me to be here. And I'm not here to necessarily make you feel good, but at the same time, I, need, I want you to grab hold of it. Pastors sit here and they give their hearts every single week, but if we're never going to be impacted by God, sometimes it feels like we're just sitting on a, a spinning bike and not going anywhere. With no resistance, my muscles aren't getting any stronger. You know, it's just, it's just a, I don't want to say a waste of time, but... How do we cross over to giving yourself completely to God? That doesn't mean you become a pastor. It doesn't mean that you pray 24-7. It just means that your decisions in your life is based on something more than just you. It's based on Jesus Christ and what he says to do. And try that and see that your life doesn't get better. What does it take for the church of Jesus Christ to try God? Just a thought. I dare you to pray the most dangerous prayer. Use me. Use me, God. Use me. I prayed that prayer when I was 28 years old. But I had no idea what adventure I was on. What I was in for. My only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. I started praying, and this is individual to me, but I think that this would work for you if you wanted to grab hold of this. There is power in the testimony. If I didn't say it before, Greg Key giving that testimony is key to you today because it says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony and that we don't love ourselves to the death. But it takes the testimony. And I believe there are people here that need healing in their back. And the testimony has been given. And the blood has been given. Now the, the, the part lands on you. Will you stand up and say, today's it. But the same thing with me. 
I started praying over myself and over my family, but mainly over myself. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done over my life, regardless of what I want. And I've prayed this my whole life, but today I'm saying, I don't care what it means. I just know that what I'm doing isn't working, and I need you. And you know the funny thing about God is? He does it. He's just looking for somebody to say, God, I need you. It's why he paid the price. So that we would have a free will to choose him, even though everything else may seem better, we would choose him. God says, right answer. I got you. Now follow me. I'm going to be with you every step, but follow me. Get off track a little bit. Wait a minute. You're off track. Keep seeking me, Paul. If you don't keep seeking me, you're going to get off track. And your, your, your visions, have you ever seen a horse that has these blinders? As long as I'm in the word, I don't see anything in the other direction. But when I get out of the word and get out of serving him and worshiping him, the blinders start coming off and distraction starts to come. It changed my life. If you want to experience the joy that is beyond expectation, pray this prayer. Use me, God. Because there's no greater thrill in life than feeling that God is using you. Nothing can come close to the thrill of being used by God. And from experience, I know from experience that if you'll get usable, God will use you. He'll wear you out. God is looking for people that will yield themselves to his purpose. And I'm going to end with this one. Um, this is number four. Uh, number four on the joy foundations is focus. We say that we say focus. Focus on what is good. Once I have submitted or yielded myself to God's purpose, I need to start looking around and seeing what God's doing. As you know, life is filled with ups and downs. We have mountains and valleys. We have wins and losses. We have good times and we have bad times. We have critics and we have compliments. But you have a choice which one you're going to dwell on. You can walk around and look at the bad things in life all your life, or you can go around and look at the good things. It's your choice. How do you view this? I can tell you right now, a few of you have completely sized up your whole life based on that cup. Isn't it funny how we view a, a half-filled glass differently? Where is your focus? Is it on the empty space or on the full space? Is the cup half full or half empty? It is your choice. And every day you make that choice. What are you choosing to focus on? Even on your worst day, life is good. Even on your worst day, you have it better off than many. You can choose to focus on what's good. Paul shows us in Philippians 4.8, fix your thoughts or focus on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Where do you find a list like that? 
Television? Talk radio? Is that where you're going to find things that are admirable and pure and true? No. Magazines? Newspapers? You know, my son has lately gotten interested in reading the newspaper, which is good to an extent. It's not good when he hits some of the things that are in our newspapers that are, that are happening today. But he made a comment in the last week, and he said, why is everything so negative? Now, he's 10. Why is everything so negative? Because negative sells. When you go to work tomorrow, you won't talk about the good things that happen. You'll talk about the bad things that you've seen on the Today Show or on the news today. Why? Because you'll keep somebody's attention. We want to hear the dirty laundry. We want to hear the nasty stuff. We're trying not to focus on the bad, but all we can do is go in and talk about the bad. Every morning, we typically will watch the Today Show just to kind of catch the weather and see what the headlines on are, are. But every single day while we're eating breakfast, we have to hit pause because of what they start talking about. It's nasty. It's no wonder that everybody's depressed and suicidal and doesn't love life. It's no wonder because that's all we're fed. In your mind, there's a scale of negative thoughts that you get every day, negative input and positive input. You don't have to go looking for negative thoughts. People are more than happy to give you all you need. As you go through life, you get a lot of pebbles put on the negative side of your brain. And if you don't counterbalance that intentionally with God's truth, God's word, positive thoughts and beautiful ideas, you're going to get out of balance, out of balance. We are out of balance and the negative is going to outweigh the positive in your life. And it's no wonder that we wind up depressed. It's no wonder that we're discouraged and don't want to get out of bed in the morning because you don't have any food. You don't have any soul food that's going to equalize the negative in your life. Paul says, if you want to have joy, focus on what is good. Practice it. Get up in the morning. You're going to have a choice to decide, am I going to focus on the good or the bad today? And I promise you, before you leave the house, you'll get another opportunity opportunity to decide. Because you interact with your spouse. You interact with your kids. Are we going to focus on the good or are we going to get mad at each other? Well, it wouldn't feel right if we weren't mad when we left the house. It wouldn't feel right if we were, weren't mad going to church. Don't, don't lie to yourself. It's hard to get to church without getting mad at each other. It's hard to do anything without getting mad at each other. But I'm telling you, if you will try to focus on the good, somehow that moment will slip by and you'll get by. There are good to focus on. My dad, I don't know that my dad taught this, but I can remember a saying that if you look for the bad in somebody, you'll find it. I'll tell you this, if you look for the good in somebody, you'll find it. Paul practiced this himself, even in prison. He had every reason to be bitter. And complain. Every reason, reason to throw a pity party. All his friends had left him. He's alone in prison unjustly. He was in prison unjustly to be executed. And while he was in prison, Christians turned on him and were attacking him. 
He was criticized. If there's anything that takes away your joy quicker, it is criticism. Let somebody just make a comment about how you look. Y'all seen Stephen's hair this morning? <laughs> oh, this is the second time around. I don't think he's taking it as well as he did the first time around. People get bent out of shape over nothing and allow it to hurt them the rest of their life. Not just for the day. These things that we've got welled up inside us about our moms, about Mother's Day comes around. Oh, no, not Mother's Day. Man, let that stuff go. Honor your mother today. Cover it with the blood. Jesus has paid the price for it and move away. Oh, I got, I got all kinds of family stuff going on up here. I can see it. <laughs> Forgive. Man, let Mother's Day be a good day. Paul says, I don't have time for critics. I have yielded myself to God's purpose. I'm focusing on what's good. The last thing I'm going to do is let some stupid critic rob me of my joy. You're not taking my joy, not even in prison. You may beat me, but my joy is not going anywhere. You can't take that from me. So how do we apply it? The reason you're unhappy all the time is because you're too concerned about trivial things. The reason we lose our joy so rapidly is because we don't focus on the things that really matter and we allow unimportant things to upset us. How many arguments in your family are really over major issues? Isn't it true that a lot of conflict in your life, a lot of the killjoys in your life are over inconsequential things? And they aren't going to matter 30 minutes from now, let alone eternity. Every time you get upset over an insignificant issue, you are letting the killjoys of life rob your joy. Every time you get upset over an ins insignificant issue, you are choosing that. You have to choose to get mad. Somebody can call you a name and you can choose to get mad or to not get mad. It's a choice. You can choose to let some of these things go. Paul says, focus on what's good. That's your choice. Every day you're making a choice. Am I going to be joyful or am I going to be stressed out? Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, we just bless your holy name. And Lord, I just ask you right now that we have an opportunity to make a decision. What are we going to focus on today? And your word says to focus on the good. Focus on the pure and the true and the admirable. Not focus on the bad. Lord, I just ask today, with it being Mother's Day, I know my mother doesn't want me to live a stressed life. I don't know any mother that would want their children to live a depressed life. Lord, for Mother's Day, for our mothers, let us choose to focus on the good. Let us go into their houses today and into grandmother's houses and into other houses, Lord, that we're celebrating Mother's Day. And let us focus on the good. Let's just take one day and focus on the good. And then we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. There's enough to worry about today. Lord, I just plead the blood of Jesus over families today. And Lord, I just ask for healing to take place today because mothers are a blessing from God. And we're allowing Satan to rob us of our joy with how we, have, how we handle our moms. Lord, I say that to myself, that I would do better with my mother. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Those that are here that want to that want to ask God for his purpose and plan in their life. I want you to walk this aisle today. I want you to step out and say, today is the day. I want the purpose and plan of God to come forth in my life. I want you to know, just like the prodigal son, when he decided to leave the pig pen, the dad was there waiting for him. And he didn't just stand there and wait with open arms. The dad ran to him. God is waiting for you to come into his purpose and plan. If there are those here that are in need of healing, I want you to know that the power to heal is here. And it's not based on man. It is based on Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you, if you have a healing, if you have a prayer need for healing, I want you to walk this aisle today. Would everybody stand? Those that are ministering, those that are ministering, would you come forward?